<laughs> Absolutely. None of my people work more than 15 hours a week. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, that is true. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do a brief background that I grew up in a very abusive household. My father was very abusive and I felt scared for my life and was beaten on a regular basis. And when I went into college, I found myself in a little credit card debt, started stripping, moved to Los Angeles as soon as I was finished with college to get away from my you know, father and get out from his financial thumb. And I did not like the fact that the clubs out here have lap dancing. I just wasn't comfortable with that being manhandled by him for so many years. So I became a dominatrix. I did that for a few months and enjoyed it. And then I really, really disliked it to say the least. And I decided to niche down. This was very accidental. At the age of 22, I found out that when you niche, you get rich. So I decided to do only what I enjoyed and or tolerated. So I niched down really, really tight and figured that I would have to get a regular job or some kind of job to supplement. And the opposite thing happened. My business skyrocketed. My clientele, the quality clientele went up. I more than doubled my prices and I was making multiple six figures a year in my early 20s. So I've got to ask, what was the niche that you actually decided to go down to? Because like, how far did you go down into that niche or niche? I totally went all the way down to foot fetish because I basically had a bunch of clients paying me several hundred dollars an hour to massage my feet, model new shoes. They would buy me new shoes to wear, do my toenails. I mean, just completely worship me. And that felt good for me at the time. That's amazing. Well, the reason I say that is because one of my friends actually did do that a couple of years ago when, when she moved to London. Um, we would literally were friends for about four months and she literally let me in. She goes, no, I'm going to this foot modeling thing. You'd be surprised. Her, her wardrobe is lined with like really expensive designer shoes. And it's just simply because she did foot modeling, uh, well, foot fetish for this thing for a lot of guys, which is incredible. Exactly. <laughs> it is nice getting the presence of the beautiful shoes. Yeah, damn. I don't think anyone wants to pay for my feet anytime soon. <laughs> so 
I have like weird. I, I say weird, but my feet are very much uh, what my one of my best friends has described as monkey feet. Like, I was like, why? They're like, no, no. I was like, not hairy. It's because I can actually. Because um, I have like my toes. I've broken my toes so many times. You can actually see like part of like the. It, they're still pretty. Don't get me wrong. They're still pretty. It's just more or less they just got like. It looks like a finger. <laughs> I'm like fair enough. Also, I found this I'm not, not just a- me. Sorry, you're not aware. No, you. I'm not aware of a um a men's foot fetish niche, but I'm sure there is that. I just have never looked into it. It's probably it. other men. Let's be honest. It's probably other men. Yes. There's like variety here. Oh man, it's brilliant. Or you can have very feminine feet as a man. That too. You never know. They never have to look up. So if it's digital, you shave your legs down. Anyway, we're getting off. <laughs> Ooh, I knew we were going to go off track, but not this quickly. Damn it. So you went from this fetish business, from this business as a foot fetish uh, person, to all the way to basically working as a stay-at-home mom. So how did that journey actually go for you? Like, How did you go from that to where you are today? Because a lot of people start off in, say, something in that kind of world, and then they kind of peter out and just disappear into nothingness. I mean, you've seen the amount of X... Um, models, adult stars, strippers, whoever it is, exotic dancers, all go from like this amazing high within three years of them leaving any industry, they're kind of non-existent anymore. Like no one knows who they are or where they are. There is an arc with that. And that goes right into my, what I feel like is my purpose right now. And I'll just go with that flow. So I did the fetish industry for about five years and I was really hating it at the end. And Luckily for me, I had a lot of nice regulars and my regulars could see that I just was not joyful like I used to be. And I didn't know what to transition into because I had never in my adult life made more, less than uh, like over a hundred dollars an hour at the very least. So it was really hard to like, think about what could I do now? So one of my regulars actually hired me into his company to grow a division of his company. And I blew that thing up and it's still his most successful division of his company to this day, 13 years later, I worked for him for about, yep. I worked for him about six months. I did not like being, you know, forced to go into an office at a certain time, having a boss to respond to, especially one that literally worshipped at my feet for five years prior. And now I had to do as he asked me to do. It just did not work for me. I'm definitely an entrepreneur. And I decided to go to graduate school and get my degree in psychology. Because during this time, like you mentioned, I was seriously screwed up a lot. Even doing the work I was doing, it was stifling down so many parts of myself to continue doing that work. So I did a lot of therapy. I decided to get my master's in psychology. And for my second year graduate school project, I chose helping women transition out of the sex industry because I knew how hard it, it, well, I know how hard it is to transition out. And this is how I became an accidental business coach. These women were used to making many hundreds, if not thousands of dollars an hour and going into a regular quote unquote job was just not going to cut it. So on the fly, we had to find businesses that they could parlay some of their skills and talents into that still made really high income 
for the time spent. And that's how I became a business coach 13 years ago. Wow. See, that's quite powerful because even though I've not been in any of those industries, I've always worked for myself. So it feels mm -hmm. really weird for me to go work for someone else where I'm inside, I have to check in, I have to do things. It just feels so weird. Like I can do that for a short period of time as long as I have what I call a non-exclusive contract with my clients, which means I can take on other work, I can do my own thing, I can tell you to go screw off if I need to. Like I don't answer to you, I'm basically coming in as an outsider and if you fuck with me, I'll tell you to go piss off. And I have done that with a couple of my clients, so I've gone, no, go sit in the corner and be an idiot in front of their CEO, in front of their actual board of directors, which was really bad. <laughs> Because I didn't, I didn't realize they were actually on the Zoom call with us. I thought it was a one-on-one -on -one call. I was like, no, you fucked this up. Go sit in that corner five minutes while I figure this out. And I want to see that you're sat in that corner. He goes, dude, my board of directors are in here. I was like, I don't give a shit. Go sit in that corner. <laughs> it was terrible. I feel horrible for it. It's one of the few times I've become like a true major, major megalomaniac asshole for like 10 minutes. <laughs> And then after the call, I was like, I'm sorry I embarrassed you in front of your board of directors, but did the, the message come across? Like, yes, everyone knows to not fuck with you when you're actually doing your thing that you're known for. I was like, thank you. Let's move this thing forward so we have a smooth business relationship. Still one of my best friends, still doesn't let me live it down. Last year for my birthday, he sent me a cake with little figures, with a figure of him sitting in the corner, going, still sat in the corner, damn you. Well, I love a straight shooter because I am a straight shooter. Best way to be. I mean, I found like, I've, tr I've been that guy for a long time where I was too nice to people. And I realized it, it wasn't going anywhere. I get walked on all over or, hey, this doesn't work. And I'm like, oh, really? Where are your 12 years of advertising experience? Really? Okay. You've done over how many millions of dollars for your clients? Oh, two? Cool. I'm at 300, I'm at 640 million at the end of this year. Shut up and go sit in the corner before I make you go sit in the corner. Thank you. That's now become my thing. By the end of this episode, I will be known as the guy that puts people in corners. That's what, I didn't want that. That's going to be a thing now. Damn it. Oh, so much fun. All right. So kind of going back into it though. Go on. If you are going to try to put me in the corner, I'm going to have to pull out a whip. Okay. This is not going to go well for me because now you said that. My brain went somewhere else completely. I'm like, damn it. How did she know? Because my response was going to be, that, that, that would just work for me, not against me. Whole different type of podcast right now. God damn I knew this would, we'd get into this kind of trouble, so it's all good. We're fine. But I was going to say, um, one of the best things I love about the freedom of business particularly is once you really understand what you're doing in one business, it works in multiple places. So kind of diving more into the whole idea of what you do with stay at home, uh, S-A-H-M entrepreneur.com. That acronym is going to get me every single time. Um, <laughs> stay at home mom entrepreneur.com. What you do there with the framework that you build, what are some of the key elements you believe that everyone should truly know for this framework to work? Okay. Well, the number one thing is to get rid of your, I don't have time excuse because as busy stay-at-home moms or working moms, we all have that full-time job called mom that we don't get paid for. So I developed a hyper-focus model that all my clients and myself use. And that basically breaks down to 
blocking a time period that's non-negotiable for a minimum of 30 minutes. I usually do a 30 minute block because that feels very doable. And during that time, you only hyper-focus on where you are on your path. So I do a roadmap from A to Z. If you're on D to E, that's all you focus on. There's no distractions. There's no looking at your funnels. There's no social media. You just sit yourself down and you do what's going to move your business forward. I that my framework provides those step by step what's going to move your business forward and I customize it for all of my clients. And what I like even more than that is my 15 15 15 model. This works for almost everyone. That means 15 minutes before bed, 15 minutes at lunch quiet time, 15 minutes after the kids go to bed. Oh, excuse me, 15 minutes before the kids wake up, 15 minutes at quiet time, 15 minutes uh, after the kids go to bed. You do the same thing. You go from D to E, you go from E to F, and that way it keeps you focused on what's going to drive your business forward. This is relevant for people already in established businesses because let's face it, our minds can only sprint for so long before we get distracted. This makes sure that you are doing the most important things in your business that's going to drive it forward. And if you don't know what to do, that's when a good business coach comes in into play so that you don't waste precious time flouting around not knowing what you're doing. That's actually very powerful. In fact, more people need to do that. I don't think if you're like a stay-at-home mom, you need to do that. I think anyone listening to this, if you have a passion project on the side, that 15-15-15 model works brilliantly. And um, I genuinely think one of the biggest problems people have is their addiction to social media. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, I've, this is how crazy it is. I have never wanted to or had to install, I never had to install the uh, Facebook app on my phone. Unfortunately, with some of the changes that I have to use, like Facebook Live, I can only use it on the app. So I had to get it. Only downside is every so often I catch myself going onto the app and I have to set like a little block timer. So if I go into it, it's like, okay, you did 30 minutes of Facebook time. That means you've got to do an hour worth of like focus work on your shit that you need to get done. Because that's 30 minutes that you've needed for whatever it is. Go back and do something amazing in that hour that you've given me. So my question for you is if you do have someone that has that exact not even the excuse of I don't have time because that's brilliant. What if their excuse is I don't know what I'm doing? Like I actually have no idea what I'm doing. Like what my idea would be. What would you say to that? Hey, that goes that goes right back to hiring a business coach. If you've never run a business, then of course you won't exactly know what you're going to do. And you can spend months or years Googling it and trying to throw it all together and using everyone's freebies, or you could do the way less stressful method and invest in yourself and have your business starting off on a solid foundation with a mentor that's going to help you each step of the way. That's just a no-brainer. Agreed. I actually agree with that. I think my business actually started to only grow fully the day I got a mentor to come in for me. Now, it really depends where you're at. Like, what price... Because there are a lot of business coaches out there. I'm not going to lie. There, there really are way too many. Some don't even have the skills. I mean, you <laughs> definitely do have skills. You can see that by talking to you in five minutes. My question would be, how do you know who the right mentor for you is? Because not everyone's going to work with everyone. We know this. But like, how, like, what, what's your ideal client? Like you personally, who is the ideal client that you've gone for? My ideal client is a woman that wants to create her dream life. She wants fulfilling and meaningful work. I value that above 
all else. And then I marry that with high profit. So I'm all about meaningful, purposeful work. And as you can tell from my past, I did a lot of work that I did not love for money. And that just wasn't working for me. It didn't fulfill me. So I start with meaning and fulfillment first and then marry that with high profit. And my ideal client will show up. She'll do the work. She wants to create something for herself. She wants meaning outside of motherhood, yet she wants to stay mom first. She wants the pleasure of that. And to 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 volley off of what you were saying, some of my clients, they are full working moms. So they're actually working in corporate and they're transitioning out. They want to be stay-at-home moms entrepreneurs. So one of my newest clients, she's about to leave her corporate job because we developed a business for her that she literally has to work four days a week. <laughs> and that takes care of the her corporate salary. That makes more than her corporate salary wow. did. That's incredible. See, I love it when you can have something like that, where it's just basically a, you're literally only working a couple of hours a week especially with the whole idea of like, hey, I'm a, a stay-at-home mom. And the reason I ask about that, if it works for dads as well, is because I actually have a friend who is a stay-at-home dad. And I'm like, dude, just go do this, go do this and go do this. And they give you every excuse under the sun. And I'm like, that's no excuse. You have time. I've, you said that you've got no money yet. You have time to go get a tattoo. Go do Yeah, they're they're all excuses, and that's why I developed the hyper-focus model. I mean, there are some exceptions. We'll just say that like, if you're a single mom with a full-time job and you have all the kids, I mean, there are some people where they legitly have that time excuse, and yet I've seen it happen. I've seen them make it. We've all okay. seen stories where they have made it because they made it. They decided on success. That's the number one thing. They decided to be successful. Yeah, they made that decision and committed to it. They got married to that idea and ran with it. It's kind of like this, uh, by the way, just kind of want to go back because this person, there's a couple of people that are going to message me when they hear this and go, are you talking <laughs> about me? No, I'm not talking about all of you. There's one specific motherfucker. Chris, I am talking to your ass and you know I'm talking about you. So if you message me, by all means, yes, I'm referring to you. Everyone else, uh, you're just picking up shit. So I guess it might apply to you as well. But Chris, this is for you. So I Chris, have to it's get an excuse. I have to get it's that out there because I will literally get about four messages, including one from possibly a very good friend of mine going, dude, are you calling me out here? I'm like, no, I'll call you out by your name. I have no problems with doing that. But um, what I was going to say to you was, I love those stories where people actually succeed despite all odds against them. There is a, I can't remember which entrepreneur it was, but he literally, no, I know exactly it was because it was 10 years ago. Someone in Portugal had been had figured out they basically bought a course on what google sniping is which is very small uh, targeted websites around a single product building it up getting it ranked on google and reaping all that traffic and affiliate sales it was really well done in fact i've used that model multiple times and it freaking works it's absolutely amazing the way that he did it which is brilliant was um and why his story is so brilliant is the closest internet cafe and this is way back when when wi-fi wasn't available to everywhere uh it's like 2008 9 i think he would walk 20 miles a day to go to an internet cafe spend two hours there to upload all the files that he had created for his website and articles he'd written he'd do it there and walk back in the space of six months he basically made eighteen thousand dollars a month 
And I was like, uh, yeah, that's commitment right there. You need to be like that, dude. You have to decide on success. So yeah, I'll call out Chris too. Yeah, if he decided Chris. on success, he could make it happen. I mean, my, my mom's make it happen. And it, it I mean, I made it happen. Like, like you said, I have a, a big arc of my life and I am literally living a dream life right now. So I want anybody out there, no matter what your circumstances were, whatever your choices were in the past, whoever you were in the past, you can truly decide right now to create your life. I know this for a fact. I did it. I've helped clients do it. I have friends who have done it and I'm living a dream life in coastal SoCal. I have an ocean view, a mountain view from my home. I have a loving family. Yeah, I made it happen. I decided and did what it needed to do. And I help other people do that. And I want to give your listeners that know that they can too, once they decide. Hells yeah. Four starts that decision. And again, with the framework even beginning is actually going ahead and getting rid of that time excuse. Now, my next question in that, in that same framework is, what are one of the things that you actually tell people to start off with? Like, what are one of the very first tasks someone has to do in order to get started with what they're doing with you? Like, Super easy. Yeah. Nail your right idea. I help people nail their right idea. I measure it on my profitability index that I've made, and I help them find the subset of this niche that is going to bring them the most money for the time spent. This was honed from helping my sex workers transition out of the sex industry where they did not want to work long hours and it needed to be profitable. So like you said, business is business and 20 years of entrepreneurship has helped me be able to hone in on people's write ideas, figure out what subset that is, is going to work for them and that they're going to enjoy. Because at this point in life, if you're not going to enjoy it, why do it at all? Yeah, it really, there is no point doing something you don't enjoy. And annoyingly, the older I've got, I've actually started to realize this. I don't know if uh, other people listening can actually find this. Your energy kind of goes down compared to when you were younger. I did not see that coming. And if you're a stay-at-home mom, I salute you even more so because I'm like a single cat dad. And I still, I'm like, God damn, I've I got, I got cats to look after. I don't even have humans. Um, so, like, I respect the hell out of you guys for that. So, my question is, how does someone that has low energy up their energy, if that is something that you can actually say, or is it, does it all just come back down to that decision that, you know, I'm going to go do this? It comes down with that decision and it comes, I actually create businesses that fill people up. The whole, my whole decision to start this business was because I was a pampered stay at home mom. My husband is a very high earner and I thought I was going to be a stay at home mom indefinitely. And, and that was it. And then my son started school and I had me time for the first time in years. And I was so restless bored, irritable. I didn't even know what to do with myself. So I started, I started with my first client for free, just a fellow mom who was like, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do with our lives? And I helped her grow a business. I, I mean, going through that framework, she had a hobby of making cakes and it was just a hobby. And we turned it into a full blown business by narrowing down our niche and making her a gluten free cake company. And she does high end parties in our area and I personally bought 
from her for my son's last birthday. And I'm not even gluten-free, but her cakes are so delicious and gorgeous. We bought a 50-pound blue vanilla cake, and I ate that sucker for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for like a week. And I'm not joking. I mean, as part of my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, no. I, I know. I had that with my birthday cake um, two years ago. <laughs> my, friend, my friend who now lives in California... I, um, she made me a really, really nice chocolate cake. It's on my Instagram. I'll put it up at the link. It, it's just mouthwateringly good. I, I initially, so I'm kind of the person that if I have a really nice cake, sometimes I want to share it. Sometimes I don't because I kind of want more of the cake. This all goes back to my cousin when I was 21. He ate three quarters of my birthday cake by himself. Yeah. What a dick. He knows. <laughs> that sounds like a dick. He is a dick. He knows Yeah, this. dick. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he's, he's, he's never listened to my show. He, I don't give a shit, so I'm not going to call him that. I'm not giving him that satisfaction. I'm like, who's this guy? No one needs to know. Anyway, he's my cousin. Um, but the reason is, like, on this cake, so I literally ate that thing, yeah, with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But the worst part was it's, like, a super chocolatey cake. And it's not gluten-free. It's super healthy. <laughs> I had this. And I remember one of my friends coming around the next day going, are you still eating that damn cake? I was like, it's too good to throw away, bro. I can't throw it away. (laughs) Paid way too much for this. This could explain some of your low energy. Oh, I went off a topic. Well, going back to energy, I create, I help my people create businesses that they feel really good about that actually gives them energy. So, I mean, I'm going to circle back to you asked me about my ideal client. My ideal client really wants purposeful, meaningful work, which I did make clear. I really am not attracted to people who only want to work with me because they want to make the most high profit as soon as possible. And they're all about the money. Yeah. They got to have something else to them. Yeah, something that's going to light them up so that they want to build a sustainable business that they feel really good about. Yeah. No, I agree with you entirely there. And by the way, just the whole thing with the low energy, um, I actually do know what that is. Very similar to what you're thinking, but not exactly. Because I've changed my diet up quite free, or quite recently. Um, and that's actually what's caused the low energy burst. It's because I'm in transition from how my body used to work to how my body is now working. So I've got to go through a down period while I come back up again. It's adaption. Oh, that's normal. Yeah. I was just teasing you. No, trust me. I did have a sugar addiction for a very long time. I still do. I have a sweet tooth. It's the worst. Oh, me too. Me too. I eat dessert every single day. Oh, no. You eat dessert. No, you eat sweet tooth. You have dessert. That sounds like a normal person thing to do. I just, I no, I eat way too much. Like, my friends look at me and oh. go, how do you not have diabetes? I was like, I have no clue. Oh. Yeah. But there is a clause in, and this is just a side note of ridiculousness. Uh, my friends know how, how do I put this? I have a bit of an ego, and they know that it's not fragile, it's a healthy ego, but they know I'm competitive. So in what in my will, depending on how I die, and because I love you, <laughs> they've already written my obituary and what goes onto my headstone. I have four of them so far. There are four different ways that my friends have written of how I die and what goes in my obituary. And I was stupid enough to sign some of these, by the way. <laughs> so, like, there's one that if I... Okay, so if I kill myself, because people who have listened to my show know this, uh, I have a history of suicide attempts when I was younger because I was diagnosed with bipolar depression. Seven suicides before I turned... Like, I was 19. Like, 18 was my last one. But I always say before 20. Um, and that's when I signed the first one. It was like, if I kill myself... My exact tombstone will read, 
Here lies Adela Marcy. I'm not going to give my the rest of my middle name and stuff like that. But here lies Adela Marcy. Pussed out like a bitch is what is going to be on my headstone. <laughs> that is actually going to be on my headstone. Um, the other one, if I have diabetes, I came up with this phrase, but also it kind of is funny and kind of horrible. But if I die of diabetes, it's, um, what was it? Death by sugar side. Mm. He ate way too much sugar and killed himself. Mm. So there are like different ways of doing it. But, um, and if I die in the wild, if I die in like going on Serengeti or Safari or something, it's going to like just read the uh, famous last words, kitty, before I die. Because if I see a lion, I will <laughs> run up to it and try and like play with it. I have two cats. I have two Bengals that are adorable. <laughs> I think they're little lions or little leopards rather. Um, they're asleep right now, which is a good thing. But yeah, that's basically what I was getting at. So kind of going off topic and bringing it back for a second. One of my questions that I have for you is how important do you believe story plays in actually getting your stay-at-home mom unique USP or unique selling position? Or does it? do you not really need to know your USP in order to actually um, succeed? Well, we go by... We, I mean, that is part of the play when we do the marketing. I really do it strategically with my framework where we actually do a lot of market research. And then we do formulate a story around their brand, of course, to brand them as the only one that's doing this or the only one that's doing that. I really believe in niching tight. So we do play stories in it as you uh, have me on as your guest. You hear my story around my brand and... I mean, I know you're huge into story, and I totally believe in story. Same. Like, it's one of my favorite things ever is the fact that story is there. So I'm glad that you actually do have that same opinion. Because if you were of the other opinion, my, my question would be, well, please tell me how that would work out and what you have seen. Not, not argumentatively, just because sometimes there are anomalies where someone works out and they have a terrible story and somehow it still works. Case in point, the one sales letter that no copywriter has ever been able to beat I think it was like fat burning furnace, weird old tiny letter, no story. So no, no actual like huge USP that was anything different than what there was. Cause there was a bunch of fat burning stuff with this one in particular. And it was the ugliest web page you've ever seen with a, with like the strangest copy you could ever read. And yet it sold more and beat everyone else's copy. Like no one else could touch it for like years. It was like undefeated. Hmm, that's so interesting. Yeah. I guess that's its own strange story. Yep, it it is what it is. Yeah, they, the guy's yeah. gonna be like, now I have a story of how this one little strange thing <laughs> did so well. It's like so crazy. Um, so real quickly, one of the things I did want to ask you particularly was getting yourself out there because this is something I've realized has become more and more of a problem. Is actually marketing yourself is more of an issue for people than I previously used to think it would be. Um, especially with the amount of competition, my people going online, and it feels like there's been huge, there's been this huge burst of like new people coming into the space and stuff, like coaching and actually looking to be entrepreneurs online. What is it that you specifically would give as an advice to anyone to bring in that ideal client? So the question is, what advice would you give to someone to market themselves to bring in the right client? The number one thing is to make sure that you lead with the benefits of your your client wants, their pain points, their story. Make sure you connect with them. I think marketing is changing and connecting with your client is 
above all else important, really having them feel like you understand where they're coming from and that you are the one to help them. That is awesome. That is absolutely awesome. And that brings me to my favorite question of my show, which I'm pretty sure you know what it is because I always say that's my favorite question and it is. And we're going to do it for 10 this time. We've done seven, we've done five, we're going to give 10 for you. If you had to give 10 book recommendations, and there is a caveat, they have to be nonfiction, except for three of them. Three of them have to be fiction or movies. Which books would they be? Okay, I am not great with authors. So I really like tapping into wealth if you have money blocks. I love You're a Badass. I think her name is Jen Sincero. Uh, You're a Badass at Making... Don't worry about the author's names. We'll find them for you. Okay. Okay, so I love that You're a Badass book and You're a Badass at Making Money. I like The Big Leap by Hendrix. Gay Hendrix. I... Yes. So those are my like go-to ones that I recommend to my clients. And then on a personal basis, I'll move back into fiction for a little bit. I love Pillars of the Earth. Yeah, I just really love that author. And no, I was not prepared for this. I I am prepared for a few book recommendations, but not 10. Yeah, I I threw this as a curveball because I was like, ooh, should I do five? Should I do seven? I was like, nah, let's go with 10. Oh, 10 is, I got to think about it then. Okay. So other business books that I'm like thinking about what's in my Kindle right now. Those are the main books that I recommend for people. So on, so I get two more. I still love the classic movie Forrest Gump. Call me a sucker. I just still really love it. And then uh, for a fun read and because I'm Asian and I want to support Asians, I I love cr- the Crazy Rich Asian trilogy just for a fun beach read. I and then the trilogy. I just only watched the first movie. Okay, so the second book is so much better and the third book is so funny. If you listen to the audiobook, it is hilarious because they put all those little side notes in there so you actually know the real history and it's really funny to listen on audiobooks. So I have yeah, good recommendation there. And then so I have four other non-fiction books that I am now needing to think of off the cuff. You, you can make them fiction as well if you want. It's really what you would recommend to anyone. Like if, you, if you met me and we had five minutes and at the, we met at an airport, we only had five minutes and you had to bring me a book as a gift, what book would you give me? Just think of it that way. Well, if I just met you... Yeah, I just read so many. I read a lot of. Like, I'm stumbling on this one. You you definitely have me st- stumped on this one, which is really funny because I read a lot and I did go through a huge fiction, uh, a huge fiction phase where I was reading Karen Slaughter. Her stuff is really dark, but she's such a great writer. So I read, I binge read like 20 books by her. So th- th- those are the books coming up, but it's not really relevant for your your listeners you'd be surprised what really would be relevant i gave a recommendation to uh, chris carter's crime novels someone once um which i would give to everyone by the way if you if you want to like read really good books and actually have the ability to go through them and really figure out what's happening and how to tell a great story read chris carter's books they're absolutely amazing at hooking you in and getting you going i'm someone that doesn't really like fiction but i read through this thing in how long two days Start okay. 
didn't put that. I think you will like Karen Slaughter's books then because she is a superb uh, storyteller and she does a strange arc. One of her books specifically, which I can't remember the title of because I told you I'm not good at that. It is there's a lot of twists and turns and it the way she unfolds her writing is so unique that's why i got lost in a yeah i totally got hooked and like seriously read nothing but her for 20 books in a row and it's made my brain go to mush (laughs) but her her subject is dark it's more dark i prefer Mm -hmm. that same with chris carter his is like his entire character is based around the ultra violent ultra violent uh and homicide crimes detective like so it's like super violent in there and you really get to read about what goes on it's brilliant it, it really uh turns at uh, times it has literally made my blood my uh stomach curdle my blood okay it, it's it's been that good of a book i've gone i don't want to put you down but this is so <laughs> fucked up that's how you know you're onto a winner um if you don't mind i'll actually throw in one of my books that i would oh, absolutely please recommend please to um again robert green laws of human nature i'd always recommend that but I'd say a really, really good book um, that really helps out with what you're talking about, really puts into perspective, is, um, oh my God, what is her name? She is an Australian person. Palmer. Amanda Palmer. I think that's her name. Um, she, she, it's, um, hold on. I'm going to find her book because you have the internet. And that is, that is, a, that is a reason to have it. Um, it's Amanda Palmer's book is about questions and how to ask them. Uh, the Art of Asking. How did I forget? The Art of mm. Asking is de- genuinely one of the best books I've actually read in terms of being able to freely ask for what you want from people. Um, and again, there's a whole bunch of other psychological studies that have come up and gone through and as in why we as a people are so terrified of asking for help. And it all goes down to our living in a 100-person tribe mentality. Mm. Like, have you actually heard this theory before? Or? No, and I'm going to pick up that book. Sounds fascinating. And obviously, I need to get my head out of fiction right now. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I don't know. I don't think the book goes into it in depth, but I can give you the the, the thought process behind it if you want. It's really, really sure. simple. Um, the whole thing is that when we were back in the day where we had 100 people in our tribe, all we were really doing was if you, for whatever reason, asked a question and it was seen as quote-unquote weak or vulnerable or whatever it was, immediately you'd be ostracized out of that tribe and your Mm. genes would literally be ripped out of existence because you couldn't procreate with anyone else. You couldn't go to another tribe because you went to another tribe, they'd kill you because you know who who you are. So because of that, we have such a fear of asking questions. That goes on to the second following, which is we have a fear of public speaking. Unless you're the leader of a tribe, you really shouldn't be standing in front of a stage and speaking back in our olden days, which is why fear of public speaking is our biggest fear. Oh. Because if we say the wrong thing, um, and on top of that, I think I had it on Joe Rogan as well as a few other people, it's if you actually went ahead and opened your mouth to say, hey, um, this is me, this is what I'm doing, and this is how I'm showing up, what ends up happening is that pe- it, the only other time people stood in front of another audience of people and spoke was when they were pleading for their life. So if you believe, oh. <laughs> so if you believe in epigenetics, which is where our ancestors' memories and thoughts and processes come through us, um, our ancestors may have been pleading for their lives at a time, and our bodies, when we stand in front of a huge crowd, automatically goes towards that and goes, 
this is a bad thing because we're now pleading for our life and this fear and all this anxiety around it. So it's really interesting what comes up. So I, I, I personally love reading those books, like really getting to know those uh, as in the ins and outs, why we do things. So yeah, that, that was, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's scary what, what comes up from like our past and stuff. Now, I know we didn't really get a chance to kind of delve into a couple of things as much as I wanted to, but one of the questions that has been burning a hole in my head all show that I really wanted to ask you was that if you were to give someone listening in right now an actual step-by-step plan to get started, really figure out their shit as a stay-at-home mom or dad, if you're a dad, don't worry, you can apply this too, but particularly stay-at-home moms because there are quite a few on this show, what advice would you give them in, say, three simple steps, beginning to start to finish, that they can start moving towards being a stay-at-home mom entrepreneur? Okay, I'm going to give four easy steps, but they don't fill in anything because obviously they're oversimplified. Yeah. Number one, nail your right idea. Number two, craft your right offer, the one that people actually want, the one that you're off, your your audience actually wants. Three, price yourself right. You are a boutique. You are a busy stay-at-home mom. You are a full-time mom. You are, do not have the time to be like a Walmart and you want to invite in great clients. And number four, I mean, quickly land those clients by connecting with them, letting them know that you can help them, showing your value to them, meeting them at where they're at. Yeah. That right there is basically 90% of marketing books covered for you. Right there. Yep. <laughs> business is business. And it, the most important part of this, I just want to circle back, is really nailing your right idea. It's not only because I have a superpower in this and I've been doing it for 20 years. It just really is. I've seen time and time again, I uh, two of my newest clients, one of them came to me after a year and a half trying to get her first paying client online by herself. Wow. And she just didn't nail her right idea. And I kid you not, within less than three weeks of us tweaking this idea, she got her first paying client and my other client, she spent months before she came to me. And we, after our first call, the very next day, after she retweaked her, write her idea, reached out to her, her warm network, she landed her first bank paying client. Then she landed her second within that week. And now she has three within two weeks of us working together because she didn't have her right idea nailed. That's why it's really important to not be afraid to niche down. That's the number one thing I see people really being afraid to do is is to find that subset of what they want to do that's going to make them the most money and talk to their audience. Yeah. No, I agree. People are terrified of talking to the right people in their audience. Myself included, by the way, it took me um, years to figure out my right idea. And I only got it because people were like, what are you really good at? I'm like, well, I've scaled this and done this and done this. And they're like, pick one. I'm like, I can't. And now I've actually figured yeah. it out. For me, it's, um, do you mind if I just share what the idea is? Absolutely. Yeah. So my idea is I'm, re I'm taking an old, it's not even old. It's two years old as a course, but the material is everlasting because it's copywriting. And what I'm actually doing is I'm breaking down because um, no one really, you need copywriting in your business. That Anyone tells you that doesn't is lying to you because it's the ability to persuade someone. If you truly want an automated business, it's a great way of automating your business because it's an automatic salesperson. The problem is no one needs it. No one wants to learn it until they need it. And once they really understand it, it's just practice at that point. So it's kind of like a weird place to be. 
So the way that I repackaged this idea was, I can help you make six figures inside six months. To be fair, I can do it in six weeks if you have your products and stuff ready, but mm. I'm not going to assume they do and just say six months. And in that time, the first three modules are going to be how to nail down your story, how to actually couple your entire product and service suite to your story, and how to put it out there on social media. And then the last three modules are how to write copy, how to write email copy, how to get squeeze pages and write ads. Literally, that's like the back half of the course. That alone, I can tell you by the time the show comes out in by, t- by the time the show comes out, that would have probably already made me a couple of hundred thousand dollars in sales. Yes. Just simply because I know it would have. Even if it's like $50,000 in sales, I can probably do that with very little work because all the stuff's done for me. Like mentally, I already knows, I know where it is. The copy's already written. I just need to put it online. Exactly. You know your niche. You yeah. know your people. And you're an excellent copywriter. And that makes all the difference with the connection so that your people know that you're going to solve their problem. Their problem is getting to the six figures in the six months. And you're going to help them get there using exactly. story. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And also, let's be honest, I have a very smooth voice. So that helps. You sure do. That always helps <laughs> keep them hooked that way. All right. So any last words of advice before um, we wrap up today? If you have been thinking about having fulfilling work, whether you're a mom, a dad, you're in a job that you hate, whatever it is, and I'm going to assume you are because that's why you're listening to this podcast, make that decision. Make the decision. Release the excuses. You just heard Adel talk about this man walking 20 miles a day to use the internet. You have the internet in the palm of your hand. Decide And that decision is going to make that consistent action. When you take consistent action day in and day out, that's how you're going to have a successful business. If you don't know what action to take, instead of wasting time floundering around trying to Google it all and piece it together, hire a good business coach that's going to get you there. It's an investment in yourself, your future, and just you. So true. Couldn't have said it better myself. And get the right coach. And if you definitely want to work with Kat, I suggest that you go over to her website, which is, I have the acronym like spelled out in my head, which is stay at home mom or S-A-H-M entrepreneur.com. Go check it out. She's got a free video series. And if you feel pulled to work with her, go check out her, her training, get on a 30 minute call with her. And I guarantee you, it will literally open your eyes. You've only heard a very small amount of time between me and Kat. And by the way, Kat, if you ever want to come back on the show, open door. I would love to have you back on here. Absolutely. I would love to. I thought we were going to dive into more juicy stories. We'll have to next time. Oh, that's what we're going to do. I think right now (laughs) what we were doing is we were kind of like going for it. And then I was like, okay, now we're going here. So let's continue down this thread. But there are so many other areas I want to go into. Yeah, because we're talking 20 years of entrepreneurship. And I'll just come back on another time. And I won't butcher my acronym. It's S-A-H-M, Entrepreneur. And there is the free training that Adel talked to you about. And there's also my Work With Me page where you'll find more information and the ability to book your call with me if I sound like the right business coach to get you to where you want to be. Exactly. And I apologize publicly for butchering your URL because <laughs> that, that, that's just the thing that unfortunately did happen. But guys, go check it out. Links in the description as always. And Kat, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And guys, I'm sure I'll have her back on very, very soon. Take care. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. See you guys next week.